The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. It's midnight somewhere, people. In fact, it's five o'clock somewhere, always on The Shaken and Stirred Show. Welcome back to another episode with my co-host, Tom Astor in Oxford. Hey, Tom, how are you, mate? I am very well, thanks, Nigel. All's get all going terribly well. Coming out of lockdown, looking forward to uh, this captivation. It, you know, the, the fact that we've all been sort of slightly sitting at home, unable to move anywhere, has meant that we've we've managed to you know interview some fabulous people, which who otherwise may have been too busy to get hold of. And so I, I was slightly, I was kind of like the trepidation is creeping in as to, to when we're all released. Well, we have as, a very fabulous guest on today. Super fabulous, in fact, and a, a really a great, great, great guy and someone who's just got so many funny, funny stories about himself. But before we get there, what are you drinking, Tommy? I'm having a very simple thing today. I, I, it's been hot here today, which is unusual for England. So I'm literally having a white, and this is, is it a cocktail? It's questionable. A white wine spritzer. Now, as you can <laughs> see, uh, hang, uh, you laugh, you may laugh. But as you can see, well, for those of you listening, you can't see it, but I'm holding up for the camera a soda stream that I gave my son for his birthday, uh, which has proved incredibly useful. Forget bottled water, forget all that plastic. Buy yourself a soda stream. You've got fizzy water at the touch of a button. And I tell you, it, it, you can just, you know, if you think you're drinking too much red wine, you just add a little dash of the old soda. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were about to tell me that you put your white wine in there and trying to turn it into champagne, but that's no, not how you no. make champagne, Tom. Sorry, no, mate. I loot everything you're normally drinking anyway to try and make it slightly less, like, potent. This is only because he's five hours ahead and we're recording this right late into the night. So while it's only sort of five o'clock here in New York City, uh, it happens to be 10 o'clock or plus that in the UK right now. So Tom's on his 10th spritzer at this point. So don't feel too sorry for him. I'm, I'm, on, I'm just on the spritzer now. I mean, I'm just on the fizzy water at this stage. Well, I'm drinking what they call a bramble and it is very summery, very delicious, blackberries, from a bramble, hence the name, mixed with gin. And it's two parts gin, one part fresh lemon, uh, one part creme de mure, which is a blackberry liqueur, shaken and then poured over crushed ice, if you can get it, with a wheel of lemon and fresh blackberries on a stick. It's absolutely delicious. Highly recommend it. And if you like it a little sweeter, put some agave or some simple syrup. But I think it tastes great just as it is. And I would recommend a, a London dry gin, but it is very, very Can delicious. Can I hold up on something here? Crema de Mura you're talking about is cherry, not blackberry. Well, this one is a blackberry version. Well, how do you spell it? M-U-R-E. I'll take the word for it. Apparently. I don't know. Tom would know. Look it up, people. Blackberry <laughs> versus blackcurrant versus black something else. What did you call it? Blackcurrant? Cherry. Cherry. Black cherry, perhaps even. Um, well, we'll see, won't we? I think you can use anything, actually. I think you can also use a framboise if you want to use a raspberry uh, liqueur. Oh. So it's really the, the combination of it. It's like a nice sort of cherry, raspberry, blackberry, blackcurrant liqueur that you pour over the top or you add in as you shake it to give it that kind of flavor. It's very, very refreshing and makes it a real summery drink. But before we get to our guest, booze news. Tommy Boy, booze uh, news. 
I have. I just do have some business. Yeah. Good. I'd love to hear it. You, you, you. And we're not allowed to talk politics. And we're not allowed to talk pandemic. But um, I will say that some terrible tariffs that were that were that were hoisted and foisted on our uh, whiskey industry um, during the um, pre- your previous president's administration. I mean, president. It's kind of rich to call him a president, but anyway, um, Trump imposed punitive tariffs on the whiskey industry, on whiskey sales to to the U.S. Um, in in light of this is kind of there was kind of um, there's an ongoing spat with between the U.K. and America, and you know whether we're giving it too much. It's, it's something to do with Boeing and, and airline stuff, but anyway. Trump put this uh, put this tariffs on 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 the Scotch whiskey. Biden has lifted, and it is beauty news because it's um, apart from the fact that in America it means that you guys are going to be you know drinking decent Scotch for uh, you know for, for for a decent price. Um, it also means that a lot of our little Scotch makers over here are actually not going to go under. Who rely on the American market are actually going to be able to stay in business, and and it's a it was, a, it, was a, it was a ridiculous spat. It had nothing to do with... Um, no, it had to do with the fact that the Scots don't like Trump very much and, and decided to say that publicly, so he decided to tax them for it. But interestingly enough, I have a little bit of booze news too, and it actually correlates with what you just said, because uh, Scotch whiskey and Irish whiskey, their numbers were negatively affected last year for the first time in literally the past 50 years that the sales went down. Whereas sales of con- alcohol consumption rose to its highest level in three decades last year worldwide with wow. a um uh, you, you've got to hear this it's it's really insane in fact ready to drink drinks like sort of the the sodas that have alcohol in them whether it's these spiked spin drift or it's these you know these various different uh drinks that you can buy that already have alcohol in them they rose by 62 percent in sales wow. last year um Vodka continues to be the best-selling liquor in in the U.S. by volume, with whiskey trailing close behind, with uh, tequila overtaking rum as the third largest category last year for the first time. Americans drank on average 2% more, which doesn't sound like much, but it equates to billions of dollars, people. So it really is quite something. Um, You know, beer also suffered and wine suffered, but mostly to do with restaurant closing. But overall, we're up to an all-time high um, for the first time in, in three decades. So, well, so, uh, oh, so forget wine, because obviously the restaurants were all shut. Forget wine, forget beer, pubs and things were, were, were shut. Overall, alcohol was up because people were sitting at home and they were like, what do we do? What do we do but drink? So we despite some numbers going down, Overall, it was the greatest year for alcohol sales in three decades. And 2020. It, was great, it was also the greatest year for Shaken and Stirred show, whose numbers, uh, listeners, rose exponentially because if you're going to have a drink, you may as well listen to people talking about it too. There you go. So, guys, cheers to that. Chin chin. Chin chin. Our guest today might be the busiest man in Hollywood, but he still has time to swing by the Shaken and Stirred show and have a drink with his mates. 
An incredible actor, boxer, fighter, father, and friend. His bio goes on for pages, but you'll know him immediately for his movies and shows like Marvel's Captain America, Zero Dark Thirty, The Purge, Kingdom. God almighty, if you looked at his list, it just goes on and on and on. It's almost boring, except it's <laughs> not. Please welcome Frank Grillo. Frank, how are you, mate? I'm good. How are you guys? So good. So good. Rather excited to have you on. Every time I speak to you, I just kind of like, I don't know how you get the energy because it doesn't matter what time of day or night. You're like sort of energized, like sort of almost like you've got an electric plug stuck up your butt. I do. I, it's from the time I wake up at 5.30 and, uh, and uh, until the time I go to bed. Yeah. And then I collapse. I, I just totally collapse. Yeah. Well, listen, what are you, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, my daily rosé. And today I'm drinking... Yes, it's called Yes Way Rosé, and it's actually very good from from Provence, France, and uh, I like it during the day. It looks like, like it's the right color. It looks like it's the right color, nice and pale. Yeah, it's pale. It's very dry, and it's I put a little ice in it to make it seem like I'm hydrating. We, we call that lady petrol over here. Yeah, no, we do too. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, that's a good, that's a transatlantic thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Oh, and then and then and then and then the other one is the, is the whisper. Have you heard of the Whispering Angel? Yeah, I, I love the Whispering Angel. Yeah, yeah. And the but story you know about the funny thing about Whispering Angel is I could go down the street here to Gil Turner's. It's thirty bucks, but if I go to like uh, Ralph's, it's twenty bucks. So I'm I'm a little skeptical about the Whispering Angel. Jesus, well, it's way more expensive here. And I tell you, there's a story behind the Whispering Angel. The guy, guy who went billion was called by a friend of his, an American, who rang him before the summer. Uh, uh, this is a year or two ago, and said, "I want," you, and put his order in. He said, "I want to order twenty cases for the summer of that." He called it "screaming bitch," and the guy said, "Well, it's what you mean, my Whispering Angel." He was like, "Well, you call it that, but I call it screaming bitch." Why, 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 why the name change? He said, because that's basically what my wife turns into when she drinks. <laughs> By the way, it's very true. It's very yeah, so true. So true. So the question then is, Frank, how come, as if it's Lady Petrol and turns people into a screaming bitch, it's your drink of choice, my friend? You know, it's, it's so funny that you say that, brother, because I've taken a lot of ribbing for uh, drinking rosé, but I don't really give a shit. Because no, I, I really like it. It's it's. Uh, I find that in the summertime, it's it really uh, it gets me a little bit happy, and it's easy to drink. And you know what other wine? I mean, I normally don't put that many ice cubes in it, but I'll throw a couple of cubes in it. You know, I've, it's fine. It's good. Listen, it's no fun. one out there is really going to call you a pussy. I don't think. Right? Uh, and like, you know what? You know what? Who gives a damn if they do, right? Yeah. That's what I say. And last time I saw you, we had a, we were talking about we were on some other doing some other interview. You had tequila. You were drinking tequila at that time. Yeah, I, I cut the tequila back, not out, but I cut the <laughs> tequila back. You know, because during COVID, I got really comfortable <laughs> with drinking at like ten o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? It's like I, I train early. I train from like seven to nine. Sweat a lot and I'd come home and I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, it might as well be midday, I guess. And so I've had to, I've had to kind of ease back. Well, now everything's open. So it's better. Listen, it's very, it's, is it kind of on Hollywood to, to drink? Because, you know, you know, I, there's a lot of people in Hollywood when we talk to them and we do, we do a lot of interviews with people in Hollywood and it's like the New Yorkers all drinking. 
Yeah. Right? And then the Holly, people in Hollywood and in LA, a lot of times they're like, it's my coffee. Well, I used to drink. And then they, they have a story, but they're not drinking. They're drinking some sparkling water or no. spin drift or whatever it might be. But you, you just, you know, straight up have a it's drink. Pain, right. It's pain. You know, it is kind of painful in LA a little bit with people between listening to how they stop drinking or they're vegans, which I don't mind either, but I don't really need to hear about it. Uh, well, how, how, you know, the old adage, how can, you t- how, how, do you know, how can you tell a vegan when you meet a vegan? They'll tell you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, like I eat meat. I like to eat a lot of meat. I eat red meat and white meat and all kinds of meat. And my friends who are vegans, I see them staring at me when I'm eating it. And part of them hates me for eating it. And the other part hates me because they can't eat it. And it's a very interesting I, I, I hate you for many reasons, Frank, but none of those. Cheers, right. by oh, the way, mate. We're friends. <laughs> That's what, we're, what, what are you drinking? I, I've, I've got myself a bramble, which is a, a little different than, you know, than I usual, usually go for. It's sort of seasonal because of the berries. And really, you know, it, it's, it's essentially blackberry, gin, uh, creme de mure, which is a blackberry liqueur, uh, and, and, and then lemon juice. And it was invented by the same guy who created the espresso martini in, 19, in the 1980s oh, wow. in, uh, in Soho in London, a guy called Dick Bradshaw. And it's actually kind of delicious. It's really fresh and summery. And I don't know where you I know LA, the temperature is pretty much the same all year round. Oh, but man, yeah. we've got like 90 degrees here in New York right now. So it's kind of nice. I just left New York. But you know what else I love? I love a good Pimm's Cup. Mm. Yeah. You're, you're definitely a ladies' man or a man's lady or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're far away from me, so you can't do much about it if I insult you throughout this entire uh, interview, which I, you know, I, I have full intent on doing. Is that a more of an effete uh, cocktail? No, uh, it's, not really. It's fine. Fine. Nice is just feeling under pressure at the moment because you've got better hair than him. <laughs> it's are, you in, are you in London? I'm in, I'm in Oxfordshire. I'm in the Cotswolds in Oxfordshire. Wow. We've yeah. got Oxfordshire, we've got New York, and we've got LA all on Wait. one podcast right here, right now. We're taking it all around the world for you. And, you know... Guys, everybody out there, people are always on time for the Shaken and Stirred show. But when Frank Willow gives us the, the you know, the, the sort of early warning that he wants to be 45 minutes late to the, co- oh. to the co- podcast, we're like, you know what? It's just extra drinking time. No, let me tell you what happened. So I, I had a, a, a meeting this morning and I have to take my dogs all the way an hour and a half to this canine special. I have these Cane Corsos, two of them. And I've been traveling for like four hours. I actually got back here about 2.15, but I'm like, I don't want to take the chance of only pushing it 15 minutes and then not being, and then like missing that. So, uh, but I'm here. I made it. Perfect. No, you're here. We couldn't be more delighted. I I was, you know, just quite frankly, as I said, it just made us have longer time, longer period of time to actually have a drink. You're welcome. And and Nigel just got his like, quite frankly, commenting, which I think <laughs> had to happen at some point. 
He missed it, but anyway, I got it. No, no, no. There'll be a few of those. I'm I'm working on getting in grilled cheese as well somewhere at this point. I mean, it's probably going to be the name of his next movie or his, you know, the movie of his life or something. It's probably going to be called Grilled Cheese, but that's a whole other thing. You know, before we move on, I want to talk about your fashion. Everyone who can't see, you should be able to see, you know, you got. this is actually available, by the way, on YouTube as well. But he's wearing what looks like a sort of paint-splattered jacket. No, it's a... You know, it's like a doily or something. You... You pretty boy, former model, um, and I do love all those photos. This is just of our. This is not John Barbados's kind of new paint splashed blazer that they gave me. Oh, that's very nice. And you know, Barbados no longer works for Barbados. I know. So, so it's know. Uh, it's not him that's doing that. That that's uh, what all things. Somebody's doing it for him. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, also, hey, so I as think so. long as they still give me free clothes, I'm okay with them. No, 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 for sure. Well, I think they'd have to give that away. But anyway, <laughs> we'll move. <laughs> oh, look at that. What's Who's that? That's Meghan that? Markle. Meghan Markle. Very, very similar shirts, Frank. You oh, and Meghan is Markle. Is that Meghan Markle? Yeah, during her Oprah interview. It looks like a bird shot on her. In your case, it looks yeah, like I have more birds. Jackson fucking Pollock came back and like. I, gave- I, I, hey, look! I I stay there. Wait. So I I'm a I'm a neophyte Jackson Pollock. Hey, there we go. Yeah, yeah. There's one down there too. There we go. Oh well, my thing god! Is, what you're not meant to do is put your black jacket on and roll on it when it's still fresh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just giving you the heads up next it's time. Really, it really is ugly. And I'm wearing it with what they call a guinea t-shirt in New York. I've heard it called a lot of things, but I yeah. won't, I won't a, go there because we're not all white, these A white beater, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Um, <laughs> Frank, I want to take you back. I want to, you know, I've spoken to you a, a few times. You're such a charmer. But I want to know about you as a kid. And I think a lot of people are interested. You know, you growing up as a young boy, where, where were you? Where, where did you grow up? What was that? childhood life um, until i was about 13 or 14 i grew up in the bronx new york and uh which was a very kind of italian irish jewish community and my mother had me when she was 17 and a half and had no idea what to do with me so she would never let me out of her sight so the first like 15 years of my life i was like i was like a prisoner like holding on to another prisoner in jail and everywhere she went, I had to go. So it was a really kind of, and later on, it it kind of, it kind of screwed me up a bit because she was so overprotective because she had no idea what to do. Wow. And, you know, as I've gotten older and kind of, you know, studied things, I listened to uh, uh, Gabor Mate, who's a great uh, general practitioner who does a lot of, child psychology stuff and you'd be amazed how much my mother screwed me up by I mean, me now the the, the 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 rose makes perfect sense there you go and, yeah. and you know you know i go to another guy i do a lot of breathing stuff and he said to me recently he goes you know you have a lot of female energy and i went wait what he goes you, you do you have a lot you're very sensitive you have a lot of female energy and i said don't you ever repeat that again to anybody oh you know what it's funny i mean what is it about boxers in general like the fighters there's a there's always often mike tyson has a lot of sensitivity to him too it's like you know he's like one of the most aggressive fighters on the planet when you get and i know a lot of boxers because of the dog pound and everything else the gyms i work at 
And the, the, the guys, the tougher they are often, on the, you know, they're actually the softer and the, the gentler they are simultaneously. Yep, I, I agree. I know a lot of fighters and your MMA fighters and boxers and even athletes like football players and stuff. They are very childlike and very sensitive. And a lot of them are a bit like, I'm like, wow, you're, you're a bit feminine for a, for a boxer. <laughs> and but they're not and you're like say, say that to my face say yeah. that to my yeah. face and hence they became a boxer and there you have it people the secret to becoming a top boxer or mma fighter is you know when you get insulted for your feminine side yeah so you as a kid then so you're brought up by your mum yeah in the bronx i remember when i was a kid watching a movie about the bronx it was called bronx warriors do you remember that movie no, I don't. It was a terrifying movie that was made New York and the Bronx seem absolutely petrifying with gangs roaming it and all of it. Was that what the Bronx was like when you were well, a kid? In the 60s and 70s before me, in the 60s, the Bronx and the South Bronx specifically was a bad place. It was a bad, it's a bad, tough place. And then it got a little bit gentrified, not much, but uh, always remained kind of very blue collar. And, uh, I, you know, I'm sure there, there are parts of, of London that are very similar, East London and stuff. You know, it's people work for a living and uh, everybody's kind of at the same level. And it's, it's, uh, it's not fun. It's not a fun place. You know what it I mean? wasn't a fun place. It was because I'm going to say, because I think that the version, as an Englishman or as a, someone who thinks about the Bronx, not to say one romanticizes it, but you kind of do in as much as it, it has this connotation. It is blue collar worker. It is tough. It is, you know, not an easy grind. You know, people say if you make it in, if you make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. But the Bronx is like the so, hardest place on the planet. No one's making nothing over there. They're all trying to yeah. escape. No. And the Bronx really isn't part of New York. It's, you know, it's, it's one of the boroughs that they, but the Bronx has never really changed very much, just much like Staten Island. And, uh, you know, it was a bunch of immigrants. It's, it's a bunch of, you know, that's where a lot of the immigrants settled from Italy and from, from Eastern Europe and from Ireland. And, and they just kind of mixed in together. And they actually, they were, there's a lot of like, interracial marriages there a lot of italian irish and italian jewish and blah 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 so it is it's a cool place but it's it it's not a place where a lot of people stay there it's very myopic yeah no for sure for sure and so you you're you're that you're living there you're growing up there at what point are you I'm going to act. I mean, someone who comes from the Bronx is not thinking they're going to become an actor and going oh, to Hollywood. I to me, I, listen, I played sports my whole life. I never went home after school. All I cared about was football. I wrestled. I played lacrosse. I played everything. I mean, I always was playing sports. I, you know, acting is for, you know, those other weirdos. I, you know, even when I was older, you know, in, in, in high school or even in college, college, I started to like, wonder what it was but for the wrong reasons you know it was like there's girls around it and you know uh it, it, it the guys that were involved were not very uh i mean you know it was easy to steal their money uh those you know so it was like this might be fun um so it was it for me it wasn't later on where i even thought about acting you know i wasn't one of those kids who was like oh i want to be an actor I'm how does it come along was, how does it come along what's the transition then what's that point where you're like get that i mean you know you get that opportunity i mean i obviously this is the other thing i mean you, you talk about romanticizing a country or a place 
you know, I moved to the US too, in large part because of the concept that you could kind of, you know, make your dreams come true in in America in a way. Right. There's that opportunity, whereas you're often pigeonholed more so in, say, a lot of European countries and growing up in the UK. And, you know, I was just wondering, someone like you, you have this really tough background. And that as well is not very Hollywood, right? So a lot of people we talk to in Hollywood and we interview when we get down to the nuts and bolts of how, who, how, and this is what we love, we love to find out how they grew up because you'll find out that daddy was in fact a producer or a big right. director or, and you're like, oh, so that's how you, you know, right. we don't say that. We're like, oops, zip. But that's right. normally the story. Yeah, no, it's, and, and, and yeah, you know, I had, I, I had no help. I had no guidance. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, you know, now I look back at it. It's, it's a miracle that I'm sitting in my house in the Hollywood Hills. Do you know what I mean? And, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was, uh, I got involved in some like modeling stuff when I was out of college and one thing led to another. And the, the next thing I knew I was auditioning for a soap opera and I got it. <laughs> it was like 50 people and they chose me to be on the soap opera. And, and then I said, you know, I better learn something about this. Which, I, which soap opera, Frank? It was got, it's called Guiding Light. It was the longest running soap opera on television. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. And then just through happenstance, like I found some great teachers. I always look for the best teachers. Even when I, when I train, I always find the best teachers and I spend all my money on that. And that's what I did. And I, you know, little by little, I got better and better at it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't quit things. So I never quit it. And I'm, you know, I'm still doing, I'm still amazed. Like last night I did the Jimmy Kimmel show and I'm sitting out there doing Jimmy Kimmel. I, I must've done him a few times now. And it just never ceases to amaze me that I got myself to a place. I mean, my parents rest their soul. They would laugh at it. Like, how did you, like, you're, you're, you're just so common. How did you get yourself into this? You know, so and to me, I still giggle about it. But I think while, that's, that, that while is. While I drink my rosé. Well, well, hell yeah. And, and cheers to that, mate. But I, I, I got to say, you know, you are a breath of fresh air. And it sounds kind of like perhaps, I don't know, corny to say something like that, but one of the things I noticed about you too is ever since I first met you, if I email you or I, you know, I DM you or I text you, you get back and immediately, right. You're, and you're normal and you sort of just respond and you're just like, there's a couple of other guys who are actors who are successful that I know. Like Hugh Jackman is one of the other guys who I know exactly the same way. Great man. But, but it's, it's not normal, mate. And my it's point not- is, is that it's like that it's very easy to become affected, right? That I think in the industry and, and, and to get that. And I feel that, you know, that what you just said there, that fact that you're still pinching yourself when you're on the Jimmy Kimmel show, even though you've done it three or four, a few times. And, you know, and that you're, you, you know, you're, you're just a, a guy. You're just a, wondering, doing his thing, living his life and kind all of. A of pre- That's all, but isn't that all, you, you know, I, I, you know, I got this movie out, Hitman's Bodyguard, which I'm in. So they flew us out to New York because they did a real premiere. And, you know, people like are complaining that they're at the premiere. Like they got flown in and they're at the premiere and this one didn't want to go to the premiere. I'm looking at people going, I, I mean, at what point, like, do you understand what you're doing? Like, this is a gift to be able to do this. It's all shits and giggles. People get paid a lot of money. Yeah. The actors, do you know what I mean? And, and uh, I just, to me, every day I wake up and I, I, I'm not kidding. I, I look, look where I live. And, and I smile, you know, I'm able to have this great life 
I'm going this summer to the Locarno Film Festival with one of my movies, then going to Malta for seven weeks to do a film. I, it's like, I mean, what other, in what other life could I ever do? My parents had me when they were 17. I come from immigrant Italian farmers. No one ever went to school. I mean, it's not, and when you say this is probably the only country you can do that, I'll tell you, I've traveled the world as I'm sure you guys have. It is the only country where you can do this. It no, really well, is. Do you, know, do you know something? Do you know, it's just contagious. I feel, I'm, very, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling huge affinity to you at the moment. I just, I just this evening, it's, it's, it's much later here than it is in LA, right? It's like yeah. 11. But this evening I was having dinner. Uh, I had a barbecue and I got my 12-year-old son here. It's just me and him here. And we were having dinner and we were sitting on my terrace and we were looking at the view and I live in a beautiful part of the world, beautiful rolling hills. And we're sitting on the terrace and the sun was shining for once because England's a little bit dicey on that, but it was beautiful evening. We were sitting there and we were having a barbecue and I was, um, he said, do you mind if I sit on the bench with you? So we're both sitting next to each other on the bench looking at this view. We were having, we were having a chat about things. Um, and I said to him, God, we're lucky. I said, you know, I mean, seriously, imagine how many 12-year-old boys there are right now, or men, 48-year-old men like me, sitting down right now who are having their dinner without this view, without this, just this, just being here. Like, how lucky are we? And I said, and I, and I turned around to him, and I said to him, I said, well, you know, I said, and he went, yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. And I said, I said, and you've got the whole of your life ahead of you. I said, where do you think, you know, where do you think you might end up? I mean, have you ever thought about where you might end up? And he just looked at me and he went, in this house. <laughs> he's, he's, but he's my youngest son. I was like, oh, yeah, fair enough. I mean, he, and he, totally got it. He, totally got, he totally got it. But but listen, the affinity I have is I wake up every morning, I look out of my window every morning, every morning. Every and I look morning. At him, I'm just like, Jesus, wow. I mean, just... Even if I was looking at myself for the even if I actually just had a mirror looking, I'd probably look at myself and just go, God, you're lucky. You know, you've got life, you're breathing, man. It's like another day. I'm like, I know, I know. I thought and you were gonna say you were gonna look in the mirror and go, God, you're handsome, but you didn't. You said, God, I'm I, lucky. I, I don't say that. No, I, I don't say that. No, but, no, but, no, 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 no. no. Then need look, to, you yeah. know it already. We know it. We I know it, you know it. Nice, nice feels it, but isn't quite sure yet, but you know. <laughs> But, but, you know, I love the fact that, that you share that with your – I have three sons, one of whom's 24, and he's about to go out in the world. And, and I don't know if I've done anything else in the world right, but I got – this kid, this young man, has been so well prepared for the world, uh, both what's positive and what's not so positive, and is so appreciative. You know, it's like, okay, I did a good job at something. I did something right. And it's, the, it's those moments where you're, you're appreciating where you are and you share that and it doesn't get much better. It doesn't need to get much better. That's it. No. That's life. No. You, you no. know what I mean? So, and then make I drink the, my rosé. Make the most of it. Make the most of it. Literally live every, live every day as if it's your last because it might be. And, Amen. And, but... The contagious aspect of negativity that I find uh, it, in everything, you know, it is, is for me, is, is an anathema. It's like a weird, it's, I find it really odd. Because if everyone just flipped it for a second, I mean, the world would be a better place, right? Go out in the world. If everybody just woke up in the morning and thought, right, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to treat everyone like I'd like to be treated. Seriously? But, but Tom, what do we do around Christmas time? 
right? Everybody around Christmas time kind of lets go of all the bullshit and the mm-hmm. nonsense, the stuff that keeps them down all the time. And they kind of, I call it the Christmas effect. And people start to be kind to each other. And them, you know what? They start to be kind to themselves. And they're excited about family. They're excited about what Christmas is. And, and for, for like a week or so, everybody is in a kind of a positive place. And, and I'm like, well, this is kind of easy to do. Why don't we do it more often? You know, it, it'd be a lot nicer. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? So. And why doesn't it? Why doesn't it? Why doesn't it? Because why is it? I can't even read the news anymore. Why, yeah. why is it the glass is so half empty? I mean, I, I find this every day on a daily basis. I mean, I just go about my life like... There's uh, too the, much money in it. That's why, I think. There's too much money in negativity. There is no, no much money, money. no money in positivity. Like, if you look at the news, people tune in to hear what's just got broken, what's just got smashed, who's just got killed, what's just gone down. No one, you know, good news is like not news. It's sort of, right. you know, that, that's like not... And this just doesn't make the news. It's just not a thing. So it's so true. I recently got off Instagram. Uh, and I wanted I, to talk to you about this actually because you no, are someone big, who so, yeah ping pongs right? on it's Instagram. It's a big part of my career, right? Uh, in in uh, of your brand or what you know, whatever that word, whatever you want to call it. And and so I recently just stopped cold. T- I was like, I'm 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 getting too involved in this, and I want to just make a little experiment and stop all social media. And the initial thing from a publicist is what, you know, what, what, what are you doing that for? You know, stay on, you know, it's really good. I'm like, stop. If, if I need social media uh, and it really does have an effect on my career, that something's wrong, right? Let me just try this. I have to tell you guys, it's been a couple of weeks. I didn't realize how much anxiety I was causing myself subconsciously by being on social media and, and the negativity that was arising in my body from, from just scrolling and commenting and reading comments about myself or whatever it was, because people are not kind and then answering back. And, you know, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm like 80% better than I was when I, while I was on social media. So I, I'm going to extend this little experiment for extend a while. It. You should do what Tom does. Exactly. I, I don't, I'm like a big, I'm a big, like, um, what is, whatever the opposite of fan is. I am, I am like the, right. I don't, I don't do social media. Not, with, the, with our show, the Shake and Stir show, Nigel does all the social media. I don't do anything. Occasionally he says, look, can you do something? And I play my, I don't know, I play my guitar or something. But I don't do it. The other day he said that I needed to start an Instagram account. In, in order just to like our show. And I went, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but I'm going to do it. So I, so I, so I opened an Instagram account. I got my girlfriend who opened an Instagram account. And I had, and I had one, and I, and I started following my show, right? Now, to the, and, I, and this happened this evening again, because my son was sitting outside. We were talking about, you know, I had a podcast to do this evening. So, and he was going, check, 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 your, check your, you know, the Instagram thing. And he... And I, didn't, I, I was like, okay, well, I'll do this. I, and I don't normally check it. Anyway, I checked it, and I, and I clicked on my, my, like, my Instagram thing, and I've gotten zero posts. And I'm, I'm gunning for the fact that I have zero – I haven't posted anything ever, right? And I, have, I only follow one thing, which is my own show, the Shake the Stone Show. I posted zero thing. He flicked up on it, right? And I, shit, I kid you not, I shit you not, he literally – it had 69 followers, right? I've got 69 followers. And he looked at it and he went – 
69. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I went, well, you're laughing at it for all the wrong reasons. Right. I'm laughing because I've got 69 fucking people following me and I haven't even done anything. This yeah. is absurd. This is the well, fucking. And yeah, then, right? uh, you know, Nigel, I don't know how many followers you have, but I, I had like almost 600,000 followers, which in Hollywood, that's not a lot. But to me, I'm like, that's 600,000 people. Oh. And at any given day, I'll say something and there'll be 100,000 people who view it. And I'm like, and then they'll comment as if they know me. And then I read it as if I know them. And then one thing leads to another. And all of a sudden, I'm sucked into this. And it was just taking up too much, not so much of my time, but it was taking up too much of my soul. <laughs> I was you know like, what I think there are? It's one of those things where I, I, would, I would say to you, like, don't go changing, right? Because you are the nice, literally one of the nicest guys I've met in a long time. And I, and I know I've said that a few times on this show already, but like you're down to earth, you're honest, you're real, you're, you're unaffected. And I feel that is one of the reasons why you are so affected by Instagram is because it is actually full of shit. It is, right. it is out, you know, the things people say, it's completely outrageous. No one would ever say that to your face. No one would ever say that in a polite company. Like the comments they get made are, out, are completely ludicrous. People act right. as if they know you. you know, it's, it's a sort of, and who knows who these freak, freaky people are who say half the horrible stuff that they say. But I feel that you take it, all so like because you're just a real guy it's as if someone's telling it to your face every yeah. comment and yeah. so you're like what the fuck and, yeah you know like i'm gonna because i've seen you comment back and i'm like no 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 frank no no <laughs> stop stop no, don't don't read it whatever you do oh no i'm seeing the comments and you're commenting having conversation with a hundred thousand people which by the way is impossible I mean, you know, so it's like it was inevitable that it was going to collapse. It was going to collapse. I'll go back on. I'll go back on eventually because uh, I'm getting a lot of pressure to go back on. But it's OK. Well, you but have I, to go back I, on because you have to go on for us to, to help promote the Shaken and Stirred show when your yeah. episode comes Ow. on. I'm Ow. Going Ow, Frank, this is going to be a trade-off here, man. How many followers did you say you had? Well, oh, just about 600,000. Okay, so that's significantly less. Like you're you're beating knives by about twenty five percent here. I've just I've just taken the liberty of having a little. A little... <laughs> yeah, you know. What can you say? He's got more hair than me too. He's got about twenty five percent more hair than me as well. Knives, you've got more hair than knives. You've got more followers than knives. Knives would like your followers. Why don't you redirect? So whilst asking your followers, are they being kind to themselves in the morning? Also, redirect them to Nigel's page. I can I do that. I can very easily do that. You yes. know, and think about what good you'd be doing to the world as a service, Frank. I just don't know that you want my followers. I Actually, don't. Hang on. I know. I know that could be. That could well be true. That could well be Frank, true. Hang on. I've just looked at some of his posts. Don't do it. Direct them to mine, where I haven't posted anything. <laughs> I don't want to hurt the balance of sixty-nine. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I hope that hasn't changed. <laughs> you can always <laughs> kick people off and keep it there. <laughs> so we're very select 69 followers. You know, the most Very important good. people. It'd be brilliant. Well, so uh, my 12 laugh at me, yeah. You know, no, exactly. Which, you know, we just find out one of the former um, prime ministers of England is one of his followers, by the way, which is even... <laughs> yes, one of the 69. I wonder what which position he's in. <laughs> That's <amazing. laughs> 
that's I love By the way, that's the good thing about like Instagram. Like I've become friends with some people. Like I've become friends with The Rock through Instagram. And oh my god! I mean? Just Rock. This is such like it's a sincerity. I love the fact that you haven't watched any of our shaking, listened to any of our shaking set podcasts. The Rock is basically Nigel. If you want to make Nigel feel, apart from the hair which you arrived with today, which is definitely kicking ass. Um, <laughs> You mentioned the rock. Nigel refers to has referred to himself as the pebble before. <laughs> he, he, he's, got, he's got this terrible yearning. He's he's basically in in line to when the rock when rock when the rock fails, Nigel will be Nigel's there. taking over. I, listen, why not? Uh, why not? You know, why not? <laughs> rock can do it. I can do it. I'm like, God damn it. He's older than me. He's more muscular than I am. He's got, you know, he's got tequilas of his own. I want to be the rock for God damn it. He's selling. I hear he's, and it could all be hearsay, but I hear that uh, he's selling his tequila for $900 million. I wouldn't be surprised. Terramana, yeah, he better sell it quick. Yeah. <laughs> Before the terror gets into the mana. By the way, another guy just sold some. Oh, the guy I did the movie with, Ryan Reynolds, has a gin. Aviation. He sold it for a fortune. I know. So, Frank, what are we doing? Our what are we doing? Our tequila or our rosé? What are we, we doing? Do a rosé, brother. I'm telling I know. you. How about teratoma? Teratoma. No, I think of nice rosé or. You know what? Two former male models. Right. Doing rosé. I love it. Come on, man. Uh, wait, wait, watch this. Oh, wow. Oh, wait a oh. second. Let me see. Oh, 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 oh. it's oh. like you smell something, but that's what you have to do. You have to pretend you're smelling something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. That, my <laughs> friends, was Shalimar from my signature <laughs> move. I'm glad that everybody's lost sight of the fact that it's a fucking podcast. So the, last, like, <laughs> five, the last five minutes, there's just a grunting and laughing, and no one knows what the fact. You're sitting in your car on the way into work. You're just thinking... Hey, but we're having fun. <laughs> oh, we're having fun. You, you guys are going to have to watch the YouTube for this, I'm afraid. Yeah. This is one where you definitely got to watch it, touch it, feel it, smell it, because it's Frank Grillo. And trust me, it's pretty stinky what's going on over here. Um, Frank... Dude, we haven't even got into films, movies, everything else that you bloody well do. We're just chatting and shooting the breeze. Hitman's whatever, what bodyguard. Exactly. Number two, though, right? It's like the second Hitman's one. Hitman's wife's bodyguard. It's a pretty complicated name. Hitman's yeah. wife's bodyguard's daughter or I, something. I didn't see number one. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I promise to see the number two. Uh, only yeah, because you know, you're it's, in it. It's uh, it's it is what it is. It's uh, you know, it's Sam Jackson saying the f word about six hundred times. You know, they blow a lot of things up, and it's ninety minutes. And I actually like movies like that. I, no, I actually really it's enjoy movies that, where things get blown up everywhere. My wife hates it. I love it. I know it's fun, and Salma Hayek is great, and Sam, and uh, Ryan Reynolds is funny, and Banderas is in it, and Morgan Freeman makes an appearance. More importantly, I got to go to London for a month. And I got to go to Croatia and Italy. So there you go. 
Amazing, amazing. But you've been really busy. I mean, you are, even during the pandemic, you had sort of multiple movies going on. Yeah. You had, and this year, what, six movies we released? Or is that under, that's less than you got? So here's the deal about being a blue collar guy. You think, and my father instilled one thing in me. Well, two things, drink a lot. And the other one was you put your shoes on in the morning and you go to work. Like, that's what you do. You work, right? So I get offered all kinds of movies and I take probably a quarter of them. And it turns out that then there's like six movies coming out or seven movies coming out. And it's actually bad. My agents actually said, you know, you, you got to stop because you dilute yourself. And I'm like, dilute myself. I'm making a living. What are you talking about? That? I mean, Sam Jackson, for instance, must be in every movie ever made. I think the guy's been in every movie since Gone with the Wind. But they actually said to me, it's actually hurts you to work too much. I'm like, well, then I don't know what to tell you because I got an ex-wife, another ex-wife, and a girlfriend. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got bills. I, I, got I get it. Yeah. So, but I, I thought that was interesting. So it, it, how does one choose? How do you choose then what movies? Are you, I mean, are, look, that, is there, are they sort of saying, be careful, dilute yourself, don't do too many movies, or is it the kind of movies? Or what, what, how does well, that? Yeah, they, you know, I could make a lot of money working for two days on a movie that's kind of low-hanging fruit. Uh, a lot of money, like more money than my father made in his whole life, right? And for me, that's kind of fun. It's two days. But you can't do too many of those. You really can't. So like right now, I'm doing a movie with Juliette Binoche yeah, and her. Morgan Freeman. Uh, he, but this is a serious, dramatic movie. And we're there for three weeks, all of us. And, uh, you know, I'm not getting paid. And it's great, it's great for me artistically and creatively, but I got to get paid. You know, I, I know, never heard of either of those people. Are they, are they? What's You've that? You've never heard of Juliette Binoche or Morgan, or Morgan Freeman. Freeman? Morgan Freeman's in every movie that was ever sort of that's, cast as well. That's what I'm I mean. Fucking joking, oh. right? <laughs> Christ! Uh, I, I, sometimes I'm not sure with you, Tom. He's like, under, know, Frank, under... Frank, I've got to check. I, I got to check him in my education just to make sure that he hasn't lost that English back in the. Of course, right. I've, of course, I've heard. That's, that's fantastic. Why aren't you being paid? Because these movies get made because the scripts are great. And, and you know, they're not movies that are going to go in the mainstream necessarily. They're kind of awards fodder. And, and you know, it's a, and uh, well, I love being involved in it, but I can't do that all the time. I, you know, do I got can, can I ask you something? Do you so with something like this, right? Which which sounds like a sensible thing to be doing. I mean, you're two great actors, right? Yeah. I mean, Morgan Freeman, Julian Binoche, you know, they're, they're wonderful actors. And you yourself, you know, you proved yourself as as an actor. Yeah. Um, with something like this, do you? Is it like script based? Do you read the script? How do you decide which movie you choose? Well, if I read a script like this script, it's called Paradise Highway. You read it, and you immediately know that it's above and beyond anything that you've been reading, right? And you're like, wait a minute, this is a great piece of material. It's a great, it's a great script. Uh, you're on page two and nothing's blown up, basically. Nothing's blown up and I haven't killed anyone. Unbelievable, right? yeah. And I don't have to be the anti-hero or whatever the fuck they call me. And then they say it's the Juliet. I say, who's playing my sister? And they say, excuse me, Juliet Binoche. And I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, at so which point? At this point, can I ask you a question? At this point, do you know who's directing it? Yes. Or not? I, I, that's, I was just going to say. Then the, 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 next, the next thing is usually a script will come to me with a director attached. 
So I right. know this, I, and, and, and this woman is a, um, she is a European director. She's directed several smaller films and I watch the films and I'm like, I love, you love it. what she does. And she's, and is that a real, so forget the, forget the Morgan Freeman, forget the Judy Binoche, right? For you, is that what dictates whether you want to be in a movie or not? Is the script and, 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 and look at the work of the director. Is, that, is that what? Yeah, because it doesn't matter how many movies have we all seen with a, with a, a, a bunch of great actors. And it just doesn't work, right? Yeah. It doesn't look good. It doesn't sound right. The, the direction is choppy, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't matter how good the actors are; they can't save the movie, right? They're just they're just spokes in a wheel. At the end of the day, it's the director who's got to edit the movie and put the whole thing together. And so, yeah, it's the director, and and and. But I'll be honest with you too, Tom. Sometimes I get offered an astronomical amount of money for me, and I'm like, "What's it about?" And then we're like, we're going to send you the script. I'm like, how much is it? And, and they'll say it. And I'll go, I got to tell you guys, unless this thing is the biggest piece of shit that I've ever read and I, I can't get through the first 10 pages, I said, you're going to have a hard argument because I can go away now for four weeks and make enough money where I don't have to worry about any of the bills, yeah. at least for the rest of the year, just on this one movie. And then I can go do whatever I want after that. So there's yeah. that, to, you know, there's, there's money. Well, let me play no. devil's advocate, though, Frank. So on the opposite side of that, then, for example, in a movie like this, why do you think they came for you? I always ask that. I actually talk myself out of, I try to talk myself out of things. Phil Noyce, you know, the director, Phil Noyce? Sure. He, he was directing a movie with Hilary Swank, uh, Brenda, another beautiful British actress. I, I think she's won a BAFTA and an Oscar. And they wanted me to play Hillary's husband. And I'm like, why? I said to Phil, why? <laughs> like, why me? And he said, well, because I don't want the guy who you would imagine the guy to be. And you're that guy. I, you, I don't imagine you to be this guy. I don't want the guy that everybody thinks would be the guy. And I'm like, okay. But, and he goes, and I'm going to get you to do things that you don't feel comfortable doing. And that makes me excited. And it's Phil Noyce. So I'm all in. And I went and I went and did the movie. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, it's interesting because you see someone like The Rock, for example. You talked about him earlier, and I've never really seen him in a critically acclaimed film. You know, he's one of the probably the highest paid people in Hollywood. He does. He's the, he's the highest. He is the highest paid, right? So, but I've, but you know, and his films are all kind of, you know, slightly crass, bombs going off, you know, bodybuilding kind of crazy fun, you know, goofy blockbusters. But yeah. it's not like he's not doing the sort of serious movie critically acclaimed with Juliette Binoche. So, you know, that's, is it something, and does that play in your head too? Do you, does that play in your head as a, as a decision-making sort of thing where, well, actually, if The Rock didn't have to do it, then why should I, one? And then two, from, you know, because they're, maybe you are thinking that, the, you know, the paycheck, which I'm sure The Rock was as well, as a former wrestler and growing up the hard way and not right. having everything given to him. He's thinking, well, actually, I need to pay the bills and I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Um, cause you know, what, what, I, I can't even imagine the rock in a serious movie. No, now you can't. And so, and so I've by design, I have by, and I've done a bunch of smaller movies. Not many people have seen that. I, I love, they're my favorite movies that I've done, you know, based on novels and, and I, I, I love them and I didn't make very much money on them, but that's, I, that's what, that's my sweet spot. I love that's what enables me to go do stupid things. Like, but you seem to me to be someone who's 
who's very much in touch with the, with, with the concept of film as an art form and, and, and as a creative process as opposed to just, I mean, I know you said, you know, you get, let's fuck me. If someone's going to offer you enough more money than your dad have made in his lifetime for four weeks, then fuck it, why not go and do it? But I mean, generally, by and large, the stuff you're doing, and that may be the dilution that your agent's talking about, but by and large, it seems to me, and I, tell me if I'm wrong, that, that, you're, that you're seeing it as an art form, as a creative process and something that, something that you're going to get involved with and enjoy as a creative process on, on an intellectual level as opposed to just a fucking, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. When I do take the money, nine times out of ten, there's an emptiness. There's an emptiness that follows along with that, having to do that job. And, and the few times that I've gotten myself in a little bit of a pickle with because I was frustrated and maybe angry and I see people not working hard or what I and it's because I took the money. And so you can't blame the people. So, I, you know, I got to temper myself and go, OK, you chose to do this with this kind of a group. So you can't expect everyone to take it the same yeah, expectations way. need to be realistic right in life. Exa- so you formed exactly. your own production company, War Party, right? Yeah. So are these movies now, like, is the Juliet Binoche a War Party film? How, does, how do you decide then what you're doing, what War Party's doing, and, and all the rest of it? So War Party, Joe Carnahan, my partner, uh, who directed and wrote The Grey and Smoke and Aces and Narc, you, our, our mission statement is to make genre films, is to make thriller and action films, but elevate them, to make them uh, with heart, to make them so that people who are cinephiles could sit and watch them. Like The Godfather. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, like The Godfather. (laughs) It's it's not about blowing shit up. It's not about, it's no, you know, buckets of blood. It's, it's, it keeps you on your seat. It's, it's edgy, but it says something. And so you can make movies like that. And that's, you know, that's what we kind of try to do. We just made a fun movie called uh, Boss Level that came right. out with Mel on Gibson. Hulu. Yeah, on Hulu. And look, we pulled in Mel, we pulled in Naomi Watts, we get some top tier talent. Uh, it's a fun ride. It's got a little bit of everything, a lot of action, a lot of, a little bit of comedy. My son is in the movie. It's got a great relationship with a father and a son. At the end of the day, it checks off a lot of boxes. And you know, we, we made, we, that's the kind of movies. I just finished another movie, War Party, that we made with Gerard Butler and I. Now, Gerard Butler is an interesting thing because he has value because of his action movies. Like he's... The 300. Yeah, he makes Gerard Butler movies, right? Yeah. That's it. That's what he does. And we took him, and he's part of an ensemble in this film. But we took him because, and Tom, you'll appreciate this. In the world of, of film finance... There is a foreign film finance model. And in that world, there are people with value. Now, if you were to come to me and have a film and you say, I want Gary Oldman, I, as a foreign film guy, would go, well, Gary Oldman doesn't have much value. Now, Jason Statham, he's got a lot of value. Well, I'd say, but it's about a British guy who is a, 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 a physicist. And yes, but Jason Statham can do that. So it has nothing to do with anything except some made up foreign film value that actors who are not necessarily, it's not a meritocracy. Okay. So guys like, like Malkovich or, or, or Gary Oman, they don't have value. And I look at, I say, wait a minute, these are some of the best actors on the planet. 
So the whole thing is ass backwards. It, it really is. That's why you see movies with these guys. They're really not very good actors. They get the movies made. You know, so Jason you get- was also a male model, by the way. Was he? Jason and I used to model together at, in Select in London. That is hysterical. So, it, that, and so it, 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 it all comes back to Magnum and Zoolander, people. There you it's go. What you don't <laughs> and I love one- Jason. No, I love him. I did a movie with him. I love him. He's a great dude. And, and uh, you know, he, he does his thing. He's, he's I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. No, it's, it's, it, it is. Uh, of course. It's, it's a stra- these guys, uh, yeah. there's a value associated with being able to sell a movie regardless. Lovely. Regardless. Yep. You know, you yep. stick them in. And if someone's a great actor or not, is it somewhat irrelevant? It's the face. It it's is. the name recognition. It's kind of sad, you know, because most things are based, at least sport is, you know, the best guy, may the best man win, right? It's not like that in Hollywood. It's not. I'm going to change, change gears a bit here for a second. I know it's, we're already running into sort of you being with us for a minute here, but you work out in a gym in L.A. called Fortune. Yeah. I love that place, too. I've never been there, but I've filmed it. I've seen it in films. I've seen it in, in, on Instagram and, and what they do. The guys there love you. What is it about a place like Fortune, which is sort of a rundownish type of gym, a kind of ragged kind of place? It's not like some squeaky clean, beautiful spa type of cool place or whatever. It's like a real kind of, I don't know, feels sort of salt of the earth almost. What is it about that place that drives you to go there? And how does Nigel also, sorry, just how, how does Nigel get an invite? Sorry, Karen. Thank you. Oh, first of all, he's got an open invite, always. Wherever I am, he's, he can come, ever, oh, forever. There you go. Um, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to sound a little corny, but the reason why I go to that gym, uh, first of all, Justin Fortune's been training me forever. Uh, I train with them every day. But the reason why I go to gyms like that is truth. And I know it sounds corny, but you can go in this gym. I can go in this gym and it's the one place in this town in Hollywood where I can go. And for two hours, it's the most honest place that I can be. And, and I, I consider the people there my friends and I don't have any relationship with them outside of that, that place. But while we're in there, it's probably the, my favorite place to be. Not, not just because I'm boxing, but because the conversations are, are truthful. There's no pretense. Like everybody's talking to each other because they want to. And uh, it's just, it's like a common space that you interact with people and you've got open mind, open heart, and it's physical. And, uh, you know, I, I find places like that. In New York, I go to a place called Work Train Fight. Mm-hmm. which is on Broadway by, by in the Bowery. Yeah. Well, it's no. the same thing. It's my oldest friends from New York who have been boxing forever. And, uh, and some of them are businessmen and some of them are true fighters. And, but everybody's the same when they're in these places. And, and I, I, there's no, I don't know what other thing there is out there that's like that. So I love it to me. Listen, it's so therapeutic. I know people overuse that. Right. Term. When you, when you, if we, if I come out to LA, um, I'm not a big gym man, but I feel that probably I'm getting to that point in my life where I ought to be. Um, if I come out to LA, you might have to take me to your gym and introduce me to your friends. Open, open invitation. In fact, I have a four bedroom house. There's nobody in the other ones. If you need a place to stay, you come stay with me. There Hello. you go. There we go. Thank yeah. you. Can't take, can't refuse I, an offer I, like I, that. I, I, I come to the Cotswolds, by the way. Same, same thing. Love it. 
Love it. We're having a bromance here right now, people. <laughs> Everyone's we're all hanging out, staying with each other in each other's houses. And you guys are all both invited to my house in Woodstock anytime. I'm there all the time. It's great. We love it. Frank, go see him in Woodstock. It's a, he's in a beautiful spot as well, if you're ever upstate. Is that where you are, brother? You're in Woodstock? That's where I am. I'm, I'm looking at the Catskill Mountains out of my window right now. Oh, I've, I've been, uh, I'm good friends with John Leguizamo, the actor John Leguizamo, and he had a beautiful house on a lake there and i spent a lot of time in woodstock yeah no so i, I actually live right off that lake as well so there's only one yeah but yeah it's, oh, it's beautiful I it's so peaceful I, I would take my kids out my boys out on his boat in the lake and, and we jump we it, we it was bliss i really love it up there amazing amazing look you've got several movies that you're that are out right now boss man and Hitman's Bodyguard. What are you working on? What's the late? What's the next thing that's going to come out? Where can people see you next? The next thing that's going to come out is a really cool film uh, called The Gateway with uh, a really great uh, actor who's an actor's actor. His name is Shea Wiggum. And uh, myself and Olivia Munn. Uh, mm. uh, um, that comes out in September. I got a film that's opening the Locarno Film Festival in Switzerland called Ida Red with uh, Josh Hartnett and myself and Melissa Leo, another one of those really cool movies. Is that what he calls himself? Josh Hartnett, like separate. Hart, He's, Hartnett. You separate the Hartnett. Exactly. How would I say it? He lives in London, by the way. Hartnett. Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Hartnett. No, I Hartnett. think in, in America, in here we call him Josh Hartnett. I, I've never, in my life, I'm like, wait a second. I've been saying his name wrong my entire life. Josh Hartnett. I'm like, it's not a double barrel. It's not a dash between the two words. You know, okay, that's how you say it in the Bronx, people. Don't mess with Grillo. I like it. Hot net. Next and time. then I have the movie with Jerry Butler, which is a big movie coming out uh, in September. I have, so all these movies are coming out around the same time. Your agents must love you. I do Bring work in those them. movies. How many films? Everywhere I look, I see Frank Miller. Oh, I know. People, I he's not diluting it, right? I mean, that's well, the big. critics, you know, I, boy, sometimes I get, I get beat up a bit. And, you know, the, the omnipresent, you know, they, they said about Hitman's Bodyguard, hey, well, Frank Grillo does a terrible Boston accent. Uh, and the omnipresent actor does a terrible Boston accent. This is the guy from Boston. Uh, he said, but uh, the good news is you could probably see him in seven other better movies. Oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. Oh. That's a yeah. bad day. Exactly. Thank you very much and goodbye. See you later. Look, but, before we let you go, Frank, and I could sit here and chat away and drink all night long with you, we have something on this show called Last Orders. It's a quick rapid fire question moment, um, which is uh, super easy to do. But I'd love to know to start this off, simple question, but where is your favorite place in the world, Frank? At home with my children. Los Angeles, California, that's home for you. It doesn't matter where my home doesn't is. doesn't matter. When I'm home with my kids, I'm present and happy, and I think of nothing. That's right. Home is where, the, where you lay your hat. I love that. Um, what's one adjective that you hate? Fucking loves himself. He looks in the mirror every morning, and he's fine. He's happy with himself. Why can he hate that adjective? <laughs> Jesus. Even if someone calls him a massive fucking cunt, he's not going to turn around and go, I love it. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. This is what I do. I'm like, I fucking love it because no, everything, you reach a level of freedom when you literally don't give a shit, then it doesn't really fucking matter. Adjectives. What do you hate? Give me one you oh. hate. Look, I, know, I hate. I hate awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of hate awesome. 
I hate a lot of adjectives, actually, because they're overused. I was just curious. I hate amazing because Trump said it all the time. And it was amazing. Yeah, Yeah, but he's bonkers. Okay, how about this? Just to chuck this one in. It's a French one, but it's an English word. Well, it's two English words. Super cool. Super cool. Super cool. Now, we used to hate super cool. I realized how fucking ridiculous it is. Because they hate, fucking French hate the English anyway. But to have picked up on the the super cool, it's just like, I don't hate it though. I love it because it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, that's a great question. In the movie of your life, Frank, who would you, who would you have play you? A young Al Pacino. Oh, look at him. I like it. I don't think he could ever live up to be the boxer that you are, though. (laughs) You'd have to give him, like, stilettos or something. Okay, what floats your boat and what gets your goat? Uh, What floats my boat is authenticity. And what gets my goat is dishonesty. And the easiest one of all, the final question, Frank Grillo, shaken or stirred? Shaken. Always. And keep on shaking it, my friend. Frank Grillo in the house on the Shaken and Stirred show. Thank you so much for sharing your evening with us. We love it. Thank you very much. Check him out in all, pretty much on any channel, on in, in almost any movie this year. <laughs> I would, I would sort of start to tell you the movie, but actually probably any movie. Yeah. Um, he be the guy that's the villain blowing things up. Yeah. Um, if he's not with Juliet Binoche, and uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Frank, my man, enjoy your evening. Be Take well, care, mate. We will talk soon. Yes, absolutely. All the All best. Right. Cheers. See you soon. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken and Stirred. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya.